Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds Ministries, visit cotr.com. God bless America. Well, tonight our message is going to be entitled Declaration of Dependence. Declaration of Dependence. Of course, it's a play on words from the Declaration of Independence, which, as I said, 243 years ago tomorrow was signed by 56 men. And uh, this Declaration of Dependence tonight is going to point to the fact that our nation did declare its independence from Great Britain and from King George and with reason. But it was not just a declaration of independence. If you read it, you can see that it was a declaration of dependence. Dependence upon the providence of Almighty God, that His hand would be upon them, that they were humbly and, and fearfully stepping out into His hand and not just into a world by themselves. Tonight I hope to point out a few things. One is that Independence Day, independence from your enemies, independence from those tyrannical pressures and the hardships and, the, and all of the persecutions of a world in that day that had gone bad and in our day is even worse. Declaring independence does not necessarily mean that that is the day the war ended. It is the day, rather, that the war begins. When we declare our independence, we then many times must step into the fray, realizing that we are calling upon God to change things. But Independence Day is the day that you decide that you are going to go free, mentally, emotionally, financially, spiritually, whatever it is in your life, from sin, from setbacks, disappointments. The day that you decide that your disappointments and that you're the, the tragedy that you've experienced, the day that you make that decision that you're not going to be held captive any longer by the enemies of your soul, that is the day that you go free. You might have to struggle some. You might have to wrestle some. You might have to fight some. And it may cost you everything you have. But no one can enslave you when you have decided that you are free. The Word of God tells us, however, that if all we want is our freedom, we will become servants to this world. But if we would become a servant of God, then we would be free from every other encumbrance. Almighty God has made us free. And free men, free women, we can dream. You can't dream when you're not free. Only a free people can dream. And tonight I want to encourage you to dream. To dream big and dream of a greater day. What would a better day look like? What would a greater day feel like? Dream. Because God has set you free. Yet, you are still dependent upon him. Tonight, I'm going to do something that I have never done in public before. 
I have done it in private, but I would venture to say that not many of us have done this many times in our lives. And so I'm going to publicly read the Declaration of Independence tonight before we get to our scripture passage in Acts chapter 4. And when we get to Acts chapter 4, we will be looking at verses 18 through 31. And we are going to parallel what Peter and John did when they made their declaration of independence from that day's religious uh, uh, um, control. From that system that was so controlled by the world when they made their declaration of independence and dependence upon God for what he had called them to do. We'll see that parallel when we get to the end of this. So bear with me, if you will, just to encourage you not to go to sleep or not to check out. I have asked our media to help by putting this on the screen. Forgive me, some of these words are not words that we commonly use in our day. And uh, today has been a busy day, so I've been unable to practice this. Uh, you know, don't shout me down. Are you ready? In Congress, July 4, 1776, the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America, when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. To that, secure these rights. Governments are instituted among men, deriving for their just powers from the consent of the governed that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute a new government laying its foundations on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience has shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object invents a design to reduce them under absolute depotism. It is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient sufferance of these colonies and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. 
The history of this present king of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let the facts be submitted to a candid world. He has refused to assent to laws, the most wholesome and necessary for public good. He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be obtained. And when so suspended, he has utterly neglected to attend to them. He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodations of large districts of people unless those people would relinquish the right of representation in the legislature, a right inestimable to them and formidable to, tyrant, to tyrants only. He has called together legislative bodies at places unusual, uncomfortable, and distant from the depository of their public records for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures. He has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with manly firmness his invasions on the rights of the people. He has refused for a long time after such dissolutions to cause others to be elected whereby the legislative powers incapable of annihilation have returned to the people at large for their exercise. The state remaining in the meantime exposed to all the dangers of invasions from without and convulsions within. He has endeavored to present the population, to prevent the population of the United States for that purpose, obstructing the laws for naturalization of foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migrations hither and raising the conditions of new appropriations of lands, appropriations of lands. He has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent of laws for establishing judiciary powers. He has made judges dependent on his will alone for the tenure of their offices and the amount and payment of their salaries. He has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. He has kept among us in times of peace, standing armies without the consent of our legislature. He has affected to render the military independent of and superior to the civil power. He has combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our Constitution and unacknowledged by our laws, giving his assent to their acts of pretended legislation. For quartering large bodies of armed troops among us, for protecting them by mock trial from punishment for any murders which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states for cutting off our trade with all parts of the world, for imposing taxes on us without our consent, for depriving us in many cases of the benefits of trial by jury, for transporting us beyond seas to be tried for pretended offenses, for abolishing the free system of English laws in a neighboring province, establishing therein an arbitrary government and enlarging its boundaries so as to render it at once an example and fit instrument for introducing the same absolute rule in to these colonies, for taking away our charters, abolishing our most valuable laws, and altering fundamentally the forms of our government, 
for suspending our own legislatures and declaring themselves invested with power to legislate for us in all cases whatsoever. He has abdicated government here by declaring us out of his protection and waging war against us. He has plundered our seas, ravaged our coast, burnt our towns, destroyed the lives of our people. He has at this same time transporting he is at this same time transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries to complete the works of death, dissolution, desolation, and tyranny already begun with circumstances of cruelty and perfidy scarcely paralleled in the most barbarous ages and totally unworthy the head of a civilized nation. He has constrained our fellow citizens taken captive on the high seas to bear arms against their country, to become the executioners of their friends and brethren, or to fall themselves by their hands. He has excited domestic insurrections among us and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers, the merciless Indian savages whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. Nor have we been wanting in the attentions to our British brethren. We have warned them from time to time of attempts by their legislature to extend an unwarrantable jurisdiction over us. We have reminded them of the circumstances of our immigration and settlement here. We have appealed to their native justice and magnanimity. And we have conjured them by the ties of our common kindred to disavow these usurpations, which would inevitably interrupt our connections and correspondence. They too have been deaf to the voice of justice and consanguinity. We must therefore acquiesce in the necessity which denounces our separation and hold them as we hold the rest of mankind, enemies in war, in peace, friends. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America, in general Congress assembled, appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the restitute of our intentions, do in the name and by the authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved, and that as free and independent states, they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honors. Wow. Wow, that is interesting, huh? Man, these folks laid out a fairly in-depth treatise saying that we have humbly, we have repeatedly, 
We have in every way possible reached out to the government, to our local representatives, even to the citizens. We have done everything that we can do, but we are continually injured. We are continually savagely brutalized. We are forgotten. We are manipulated. We are controlled. We are threatened. We are stolen from. We cannot take any more. And for that and for the reason being that we do not believe it will change, that this person, King George, is absolutely unfit to rule a free people. They therefore turned to one another and they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honors and thus began the American Revolution. A revolution. It's interesting that these 56 men, knowing that as they signed and affixed their name to this document, that they were signing their own death warrant, that they no doubt would end up in life penniless if they stayed alive, that them, their, their goods, their lands, their families, they were all in great jeopardy. They did not and could not know whether this would be over swiftly and they would lose or whether it would take years and perhaps they would finally struggle to some measure of victory. They did not imagine that today in these United States of America, more than 335 million Americans, citizens of our great nation, would stand proud to call them forefathers that would look back on that day and say how we wish we could have been there in that day. But that day was no different than this day. Today, America is still in need, still in need to be delivered from unreasonable and unjust acts of men. It's important that we realize that this declaration of independence is really a declaration of dependence upon Almighty God. No person can be truly independent. There must be a reliance upon someone else. They were pledging their lives, their fortunes, their sacred honors to one another. But yet they made it very clear that they were dependent as they stepped out on this new adventure, completely dependent upon the will and upon the providence of Almighty God, that He would judge them, that He would be the one that they must stand before. But they felt that as though that they had no choice but to begin a revolution. A revolution is different than a rebellion. A rebellion is nothing more than someone resisting authority. Re rebels cannot be led, by the way. You know, when the North and the South, during the Civil War, when the North and the South decided that they were going to draw a line and they were going to fight one another, and uh, me being from the South, you know, uh, and me being in a Southern state does not color the fact that the rebels had no chance to win. It didn't matter how strong they were. It didn't matter how much, you know, uh, food they had or all the other diplomacies that they may have looked to early on. 
It didn't matter because you see the nature of a rebel is that they can never be led. Bless Jefferson Davis's heart. He became the president of people who just said, nobody's going to tell me what to do. When the war ended, do you know that, that in some states there were storehouses of ammunition and boots and, and uniforms and tents and blankets, and in other states they were absolutely destitute of anything to eat, had no ammunition. And why? Because no one's going to tell me what to do. That's the nature of a rebel. A rebel just resists authority. A rebel just does not want to be told what to do. That is a far cry, a great difference from someone who is participating in a revolution and not just a rebellion. When I think of the word revolution, I think of a revolver. I don't know why, but my mind kind of runs to guns, okay? A revolver, you know what a revolver is? It's different than an automatic. A revolver has, has this cylinder in it that, that every time you pull the trigger, it rotates so that it finally comes back up to number one. It starts on number one, and when you pull the trigger, it automatically shoots bullet number two then three, then four, and it keeps getting a little farther away until it revolves to the point where it starts getting closer to the original, starts getting closer to the, to the beginning. It starts getting closer, and then it, it, it's not finished its revolution until it comes full circle and comes right back to the beginning. And that's what God is hoping for each one of us, is that we would have a revolution in our lives. You see, where we were created by God to worship Him, to be in His image, to please Him. We were created a fellowship with him and God is hoping that we have a personal revolution in our life that we only resist the authority of this world and when we make a declaration of independence in our life it is against an establishment that has already gone so far away from God's intent that we must refuse to let it lead us any farther away and so we revolve and as we revolve in a revolution, we come back to the beginning. We believe, they said, that God created mankind. This supreme being created us and endowed us with certain unalienable rights. And what they wanted to do was get back to the plan of God. Get back to the original plan of God. Get back to the place where God created us to live in harmony, to live in unity, without being controlled, manipulated by a tyrant. The epitome of which is the devil. God's hope is that we would revolt against the devil and this world system and whatever this world system claims as their own that we would not follow leaders that would continue to lead us away from God but that we would join hearts and hands. We would join our fortunes and our honors together and we would stand for each other and we would stand for God's will and not just what man wants. That's God's hope. This is what happened in Acts chapter 4. Have you found Acts chapter 4? By the time we get to Acts chapter 4, God has had approximately 4 
2,000 years of mankind walking away from him. And they had gone pretty far. A few times, God had gotten them back. A few times, someone had, had been raised up by God and gathered together a group of people, and they had a revolution. They, 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 they revolted against, you know, Egypt, for example, and Pharaoh, who was a type and shadow of Satan, and, and their being enslaved and under bondage and, and being controlled, they broke free by the providence of Almighty God. By his power, he gave them vision, he gave them dreams, and he brought them out of Egypt, symbolizing them coming out of a world. He took them to a promised land, and he gave them a set of instructions so that they could live according to his will and live according to his plan. But then 1,500 years later, when Jesus comes on the scene, what we understand is that religion, the one that had been instituted by God in that revolution, had gotten so far away from God that the leaders of that religion was now, they were now acting as though they were God. They were manipulative and controlling, not for the benefit of the people, not for the benefit of God's will, but to keep themselves in power. Whenever governments are instituted by us, the government of the United States gets its right to exist from us. We don't get our right to exist from them. And whenever a government's only intent and when their only energy is spent trying to stay in power, they are missing the mark. They have been empowered by us to be a blessing and a protection and a covering to us. Such was the case with the religious government and with the Roman government of that day. Do you know that the religious leaders in the day of Jesus, they would complain if he healed a person? They would complain if he fed someone? They would complain if he forgave someone? They would complain if, if, if he spoke good to someone? They would complain if he prayed for someone? Come on now. Can't anyone see through that? Can't anyone see that that has gotten so far away from God's hope and God's will? He's a good God. He wanted people to, 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 to eat. He wanted people to be healed. He wanted people to be happy. He wanted people to, to be safe. He wanted people to enjoy their lives. And, and Jesus was coming and telling them that they were blessed. And, and all the religious leaders could do was get aggravated. And, and ultimately they crucified him. Him, he who had done no sin. He, for which one? of these good works he says for which one of these do you want to kill me what have I done he said but good 
It's even written in the prophets. It's written in the, in, in the law that, 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 that we should bless and, and that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And, and which one of you having a donkey that falls into a ditch would not go out on the Sabbath and pull that donkey out? Should not this woman who had been bound low these 18 years with this spirit of infirmity, should not she be set free, this daughter of Abraham? You would set your donkey free and you don't care a hoot about this woman who has been with this infirmity for 18 years. Can anyone see through this? It was not a rebellion against authority that Jesus was leading. It was a revolution. Let's get back to our first love. By the time we get to Acts chapter 4, the church is in full swing. And, 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 and uh, you know, in Acts chapter 3, we've studied it here in the last few weeks. They healed a, a lame man who had been lame from his mother's womb. He was uh, more than 40 years old. They healed him. And, and oh my goodness, the Sadducees and the priests, they were beside themselves. They, were, they arrested Paul and, I mean, I'm, I'm Peter and John. They arrested them and took them and, 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 you know, held them. And then the next day they questioned them and they argued with them and they wrestled with them. And they finally told him, don't you preach anymore. Don't do any more of this. They, they couldn't do much more to them because this man had been healed. And more than you know, 5,000 people had come to Christ because of it. So here, when they were told in, you know, in the first part of chapter 4, do not speak anymore in the name of Jesus. Verse 18 says, and they called them, you know, the, the, the religious leaders, the chief priests and the, and the Sadducees and, and this council, this religious leadership, the law, the government of that day, those that had power, life and death power over the, the, uh, Peter and John. They, they called them and they commanded them to not speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. Amazing. You know that's happening around the world today. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than God, you're going to have to judge. Whether we should do what God told us to do or whether we do what you told us to do, listen, you'll have to judge that. For we cannot but speak the things we have seen and heard. They basically said, you know, <laughs> you're not the boss of me. <laughs> You're not my judge. You're not my boss. And you can do whatever you want to. But we are compelled. King George, you can do whatever you want to. Send your troops. Shoot at us. But I guarantee you there's nothing more you can do to us than what you've already been doing. But we're not putting up with it anymore. We've got to speak the things which we have seen and heard. It's not a rebellion. I've had people ask me, well, shouldn't they have obeyed authority? No, they should not have. Because the greatest authority is Almighty God. That doesn't give you a license in light and transient matters to, to go against God's established and ordained leadership. But these are not light things. The things that our forefathers faced 243 years ago were not light or transient matters. Verse 21, so when these judges had threatened Peter and John further, 
They let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom the miracle of healing had been performed. And being let go, Peter and John went back to their own companions. They went back to their, to their group, to their church. They went back to church. They went back and, and, and got their friends and their church together. It's like these 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence. They got, the, they, they got a group of supporters. They got a group of people that felt just like they did. They were willing to lay their lives down, willing to pay for it. They were willing to pledge their sacred honors in order to see this go. They wanted supporters. They didn't want a bunch of yes men, but they didn't want anyone who was not in support. They went back to their companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. So when their friends heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God. You made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them. God, we acknowledge you just like our founding fathers did. We acknowledge you. You are the one that's going to judge us. You are the one and it's to you that we, 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 we commit ourselves. It's to your providence that we are looking. Look down in verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to us, your servants, that with all boldness we may speak. We were told not to speak, but God, would you just give us a little extra boldness? Would you give us some courage? Would you give us, Lord, some bravery? We need it, God. We want to speak your word. And God, would you also, Lord, stretch out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, there's always time for prayer. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. They got just what they asked for. Well, tonight let me encourage you to realize that our founding fathers were not just a bunch of rebels. They were revolutionaries. And that in seasons of life, you may be called upon to be a revolutionary. You may need to break out of the mold that your family had set for you, that your friends have set for you, that life has put you in, that the devil wants to keep you in. You may want to break out of that rut. You may want to decide not just rebelling against authority, not just, not just you know, uh, saying nobody's going to tell me what to do, but rather saying I am going to connect myself with people of like mind and like heart and like faith and I'm going to give everything I have and I'm going to give it my best shot and I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I am not going to repeat the sins of the past. I am not going to be led by my own appetites or by the fleshly carnal appetites of others. I am going to be a believer. I'm going to pray God that he gives me boldness, that he stretches out his hand and heals, that he grants signs and wonders be done. Because my declaration of independence from this world 
my declaration of independence from any denomination that would lead me farther from Christ and tell me that the Holy Spirit has died or that healing is no longer a part or that we shouldn't do this or should not. Let me tell you something. When I declare my independence, and I have, it has been bathed in a declaration of dependence upon Almighty God. God bless America. And God bless you with a revolutionary heart. Amen.